This episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast is brought to you by Dermalist, the new Australian company redefining cosmeceutical skincare. Hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauté Industry, Tamara Reid. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauté Industry. One of the greatest perks about having a platform like Beauté Industry is being able to create a community that is as engaged as ours is. And not only that, but we get to hear about all of the questions you have in your mind, but too, we get to have those questions answered for you from our industry experts. After lots of thoughts, feelings, and queries around collagen, internal supplements, and topical ingredients from you all in our growing Facebook community, we thought who better to have the conversation for you all today on such a topic than none other than Fiona Tuck. Fiona has featured on our podcast twice now, today being her third time, so I'm going to skip over the introduction and get straight into the content. A jam-packed, filled episode for you on the basics of collagen, cells that are responsible for the production of, the difference between bovine and marine type of collagen, supplements, efficacy for the skin, client contraindications, as well as a rapid-fire myth-busting session at the end, which, trust me, you will need a pen and paper to absorb the wealth of information that Fiona shares with us today. Here's Fiona and I for Beauté Industry. Fiona, thank you so much for joining me this morning on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. Always good to talk to you. We are going to jump right into today's episode because we have lots of questions to ask and lots of answers to share in terms of information. So let's start with the basics. What is collagen? Great question. Well, collagen, I think most people know it's a protein that we find in the skin Um, but probably what a lot of people don't realize is that it's one of the most abundant proteins that we find in the body so not only is it found in the skin which we know as um, skin therapists to provide structure and support to the skin but it's throughout the body so we find it in bones and ligaments in tendons and muscles um, hair skin nails etc so Collagen is something that we produce naturally, but we know as we age, we start to produce less collagen. And so from about approximately the age of 30, our collagen production starts to diminish, which is why um, we start to see loss of firmness in the skin. We start to see lines of wrinkles. And then by the time we're 60, we've got about 50% less collagen than we did when we were 30. And it just begins to decline. We also know that as we age, the collagen fibres thicken and shorten, um, again, which is going to contribute to the um, loss of firmness in the skin lines and wrinkles. 
but also interestingly, the ratio of collagen changes. So in the skin, in the dermis, we've got primarily type 1 collagen. Um, and type 1 collagen is the collagen that is the most studied. It's had the most research because it's the most common collagen in the body. But it's also the main collagen in the skin. So about 80% of the collagen in the dermis is type 1 collagen. The remainder is mainly type 3 collagen. But this ratio also becomes sort of out of kilter as we age as well. So we get a thickening, a shortening and a, a differing of this ratio, which is all going to contribute to what you and I know as aging tomorrow. Mm, yes, we don't, we don't love to age, do we? We try and prevent it as much as possible, um, but obviously it's inevitable there. So can you share with us which cells are responsible for the collagen to be produced in the first place? Absolutely. So collagen is produced by the fibroblast cell, which is found in the dermis. Um, so when we're looking at, say, collagen, internal collagen, when we're taking collagen internally, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure, um, Interestingly, what happens is the, with the little molecules that we call fibroblast-like growth factors. So as you know, we've got growth factors. There are certain growth factors called fibroblast-like growth factors that stimulate the fibroblast cell. And that's when basically the magic happens. That's when we start to get um, messaging to the DNA and the RNA and that whole transcription, translation process that then leads to what we call pro-collagen or collagen being formed, like little, little chains of collagen. That then um, basically what we call pro-collagen and then these subunits are then transported out of the cell and strung into longer chains. And eventually these chains sort of become that triple helix that we know of as collagen. But that whole process requires every single step, step of the way um, from the translation to the hydroxylation to the enzyme reactions, it needs nutrients. Mm. So we do need to make sure that we are getting adequate nutrition via the diet in order for healthy collagen. And that's why um, some people will genetically have a malfunction, if you like, in collagen production. So some people may um, have a genetic, um, what we call a SNP, if you like, where they don't produce as much collagen or collagen as effectively. Right. Um, some people may overproduce collagen, and that's why we see things such as keloid scarring or even conditions such as scleroderma, which um, affects the way that we produce collagen and too much collagen. So we can produce too much. Um, and if we're not getting enough nutrients, that's going to affect the quality of our collagen. So if we're vitamin C deficient, for instance, eventually we're going to see something like scurvy, which is where we see um, dilated capillaries and bleeding of the gums, etc., because we're not getting enough vitamin C, which is essential for healthy collagen. But as is things like iron, so if you are chronically deficient in iron, for instance, or anemic, um, that's also going to affect the quality of collagen. And that's why those people quite often have very flabby type skin. Mm -hmm. So um, it will affect, our nutrition will affect 
the quality of the collagen that's produced as well. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so when we're talking to our clients, always important to also refer back to their lifestyle as well if they're wanting to age slower or kind of maintain the aging process. Absolutely. And even when you're doing things like collagen induction therapy, um, if somebody doesn't have the right nutrients in the diet, you know, if they're, if they're really nutrient deficient and they're eating what I call a junk food diet or they're having a lot of alcohol or they're smoking a lot, which we know smoking depletes vitamin C, um, their wound healing is going to be compromised. You know, if somebody is anemic or low in iron, their wound healing is going to be compromised. And so these are really important factors, not only for general um, healthy skin and collagen production, but also when we're performing in clinic, those more advanced clinical treatments that are taking the skin into that wound healing process, then we need to make sure we've got those necessary nutrients, which is probably a whole other topic for another day. <laughs> Absolutely. We could stem <laughs> off on this conversation in lots of different directions today, but we'll stay on the collagen path. I want to ask you, you mentioned before that collagen slows down beyond the age of 30. Are we constantly producing collagen or once we have this type one collagen, do we have to just try and maintain that as best we can? Good question. So very little of our bodies, are, um, we, we're constantly renewing. Um, so everything is constantly being regenerated. It's broken down and renewed. And same with our collagen. So we've got the MMPs, those enzymes that actually will break down collagen to basically get rid of the old worn out cells in order for us to be able to increase or not to increase, but to stimulate new collagen production. So um, we're constantly breaking down and renewing, breaking down and renewing. And that's throughout the whole body, including collagen. Um, but as we age, that collagen production starts to slow down. But we're also getting the breakdown of collagen and elastin. And so that rate of which it's being broken down and renewed also changes so again, leading to a, um, a faster decline of um, loss of collagen, if you like. So when we, as we age, that slows down, but there are things we can do to help to stimulate collagen. So whether that be an in-clinic treatment, and there's lots of different treatments that can help with that, um, or whether it's taking a collagen supplement, we know that that actually can have an effect on the, the fibroblast cell. Yeah, amazing. You mentioned before there's such, you know, a succinct pathway to actually building collagen in the first place. And we now know that collagen can be derived. And there's two different ways. It's either bovine or marine collagen that is most typically talked about. What is the difference between these two? And is one, in your opinion, superior over the other? Great question. So when it comes to, so we make collagen obviously in the body. Um, but we can also get it from external sources. Now, collagen from external sources, sources can be derived from um, bovine sources. You can get it from um, pigs, porcine, por por is, is that how you say it? Mm. Um, doesn't tend to be such a common one to purchase. Um, there's also chicken collagen as well, but that's not as readily available too. But the main ones we tend to see available to purchase are bovine and marine collagen. So bovine collagen really tends to come from cows. It can come from skin, bones, 
etc. Um, and the marine collagen comes from the skin of the fish or the, or the scales. So what's, what's interesting is that both all collagen, all collagen that you buy, had, for it to be effective in stimulating collagen in the body, it has to be hydrolyzed. So if we were to take what we call native collagen, collagen in its unhydrolyzed form, the body has to digest it, break it down into amino acids, and then those amino acids are used with other nutrients in the body for whatever we need it for. Um, and so when we eat collagen, and it's actually quite hard to get collagen in the diet, um, you can get it a little bit from eggs. You might get collagen from bone broth. You hear a lot of people say have bone broth for collagen, but then the quality of the collagen and the amount of collagen in the bone broth really depends on what was used in the bone broth, how long that was cooked, um, what part of the animal was used to get the most collagen out of it. Um, so there's lots of different factors. So it's in a way, it's an unreliable source of collagen because it really depends on the quality of the bone broth. Um, also with bone broth, it's collagen that would be produced. So it's not hydrolyzed collagen, which means your body still has to break it down and digest it. Um, same with gelatin. So gelatin is a form of collagen that we can find in a lot of different foods or we can buy gelatin and add it that is partially hydrolyzed collagen. So you still have to break it down into um, an absorbable form to use it in the body. So it's not being sort of going straight to your collagen and adding to your collagen, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to clarify that when we're looking at collagen supplementation, most collagen is hydrolyzed collagen, which means that it has been broken down via an enzyme process into very tiny peptides, very tiny amino acid fragments, which we call peptides. So usually hydrolyzed collagen is the same as collagen peptides. So you just want to check that hydrolyzed collagen means that this collagen has been hydrolyzed by enzymes into these tiny little peptides, um, which are then able to be directly absorbed. We don't have to break them down. These peptides have been clinically shown by clinical studies that they can be absorbed via the intestinal mucosa via um, what we call the transporter PEPT1, which basically by the um, small intestine, we're absorbing these peptides. They go straight into the bloodstream. And these peptides have been shown to be able to mimic the fibroblast-like growth factor that stimulates the fibroblast for collagen production. Wow. So the best way to think of it is think of collagen peptides more as little stimulants to that are, are talking or communicating with the fibroblast cell to say, hey, come on, we need to make more, more collagen. That's how they're working. Now, obviously, you've got the amino acids in collagen peptides, which have been broken down, but you're getting all of the amino acids that are required for healthy collagen production. 
And the difference with collagen as opposed to amino acids via the diet is that you're also getting the hydroxyproline, which you don't really get through the diet. We manufacture, if you like, we make hydroxyproline in the body, um, but when we're getting it via collagen peptides, we're also getting the, the hydroxyproline ready-made, if you like. So collagen peptides, whether it is bovine or marine, are able to stimulate or the fibroblast via the fibroblast-like growth factor by mimicking that. And that then signals this cascade response of producing new collagen. And obviously you've got the amino acids there to help with healthy, strong collagen. That is how collagen peptides work. And just to give you um, an example, the, these collagen peptides are basically broken down into these very, very tiny fragments which are way, 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 way smaller than native collagen, which is why it's the collagen peptides now that we're getting really excited about when we're looking at the skin. Because we are um, stimulating the fibroblast cell, the collagen peptides have been shown to be able to stimulate collagen production, hyaluronic acid production, and elastin production. Um, also with collagen peptides, not only are they able to stimulate the fibroblast cell, but what they're also doing is inhibiting the MMPs, which are the enzymes that break down collagen. So as we were saying earlier, we get the breakdown of collagen and it's, it's not being stimulated as much as we get older. Um, in a way, what collagen peptides are doing are they're helping to um, signal to the fibroblast cell to stimulate collagen, Plus, they're helping to slow down the breakdown of collagen. So we're sort of getting that, that balance back. Um, also being shown then to help where we're getting that breakdown of collagen, we're also actually helping to inhibit that, if you like. So mm -hmm. we're going to see an improvement in collagen. When it comes to the bovine and the marine collagen, and there's a lot of different clinical studies out there, and I really do urge people to look at them rather than just listen to what a BDM or a manufacturer is saying, you know, really do your research. And trust me, I've done months of research on this. Um, the gold standard when we're looking at improvement in skin by far is marine collagen. And that's because marine collagen has um, been shown to have, with, it, it's seemingly to be superior bioavailability um, because we're getting better results with the marine collagen. And it's thought that it may be superior bioavailability. Um, but the results with marine collagen are improved hydration in the skin and improved skin elasticity, which we all want, right? So in my opinion, and, and from what the studies are saying, marine collagen is the gold standard if it is skin that you are particularly concerned about. There seems to be better results. But if you're taking a bovine collagen, you're still going to get results in the skin. Both bovine collagen and marine collagen stimulate type 1 collagen and type 2 collagen. So there's a little bit of a misleading marketing out there. I don't know if you've seen some companies say you need type 1, you need type 3, mm. you need type 2, you need all these different types of, of collagen. Um, 
if you think what collagen's made up of, if you like, it's it, all collagen, whether it's type one, two, three, whatever, um, it's made up of the basics, really, the, the um, triple helix, the amino acids, and it will vary slightly in the molecular structure depending on different minerals that are using, you know, for cartilage, for it would be more mineralized, the bone, it would be more mineralized, etc. Um, but bovine and marine stimulate both type one and type three. So far, I have come across no clinical studies on any collagen that can stimulate cartilage, which is more um, the type two collagen. So even though you'll see some manufacturers saying, oh, well, you need to have um, bone broth or you need type two collagen for joints, um, no collagen yet has been shown to stimulate type two collagen. Um, we know it's type one and type three. Um, but we are also increasing hyaluronic acid, which is going to be lubricating the joints. So really, um, marine and bovine are both going to be beneficial for joint health. Um, if you want to try type 2, um, which is a more from chicken collagen, um, by all means, try, try it. Um, but when it comes to bovine collagen, um, why it tends to be popular is because it's the cheapest collagen to manufacture. It, it's, right. it's very cheap and it's very available. So um, with that, unfortunately, will come a lot of very fancy marketing to then put a, a spin on why people should have it. Or some companies will add bovine to marine collagen to cheapen the marine collagen ah. product because marine collagen is more expensive out of all the collagens marine collagen is the most expensive so you don't always know what you're getting um mm -hmm. my advice is you know if you're if you are an athlete if you you're taking collagen for joints for muscles um for the body and you're worried about um the price then it is going to be cheaper to have bovine collagen because it, it's naturally cheaper um, if you want, you know, if you're really concerned about skin health and you want improved hydration, elasticity and increased collagen production, um, then for me personally, I would be going marine. And that's what we've done at Vitasol, obviously. We've gone the marine collagen um, and literally the, the purest collagen that's available because whether it be bovine or marine collagen, we do still need to understand where that collagen is sourced from. How was it produced? What was it fed? Um, because that will all ultimately affect the quality of, of the collagen as well. So um, mm -hmm. was, if it's bovine, was it grain fed? Was it grass fed? If it's marine collagen, was it wild caught? Because the majority of the collagen out there is um, from marine collagen is farmed fish. Um, and so most of it comes from farmed fish in Asia. And, you know, what are the standards like? Do we know what that fish is being fed? That, that's all things that, um, you know, people need to do their research on if that's what they're concerned about. But ultimately, the collagen is going to um, still have an effect on the fibroblast cell and increase collagen production. Yeah, well, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you because obviously 
there are lots of different fish even my husband and i were talking about you can get whiting up here um, in queensland but the whiting in victoria um, to eat is so much better and i was he's a fisherman and i was asking him right. you know what's the difference how is that possible it's the same fish and he was saying you know it's the farming it's the ocean it's the cities it's the population yeah. all of these different things that if you just look at that whiting well then that whiting though it's the same species might have a very different collagen structure Yep. And also, depending on what species of fish we'll use will depend on, um, interestingly, like if, if they're using the scales, are they big scales, are they hard scales? Mm -hmm. um, that, that will determine the quality of the fish. How also um, what species are used will determine how the collagen is extracted as right. well. So, for instance, with the Vivasol collagen, um, we only use wild-caught fish. Um, it's the purest collagen available. And we will only use cod, which is the skin and the scales, but the scales are soft. So it's very high quality, but you don't then need to use very harsh chemicals to extract the collagen mm -hmm. because then you're going to get the chemical residue into the collagen mm. so they're all things people need to think about you know were antibiotics used in the farming process of whether it was fish or whether it was bovine um, there were concerns with bovine collagen with you know viruses and mad cow disease which to be honest I think are not really valid I think that's a little bit of scaremongering because most bovine collagen isn't going to be coming from the UK and you know I, I think that's a little bit of scaremongering so there's a lot of information out there online and there's a lot of scaremongering and there's a lot of rubbish out there as well there's a lot of fancy marketing to make people think they're getting something that they're not mm -hmm. um, a lot of the time I see in beauty even companies adding fillers to the collagen so if it's something like marine collagen which is very expensive they'll add filler to the marine collagen so you're thinking you're getting more product than you're actually getting. Yeah. And that filler might be something like maltodextrin, which is a white powder commonly used in a lot of food, um, but it's going to make that white powder go a lot further, which for me, I, I, that's just something that raises a red flag. And obviously maltodextrin we know um, may have detrimental effects when it comes to gut health so mm. you really read your labels and do your research when you're choosing a, a good collagen product after the break fiona shares for us the difference in retail price for collagen supplements the efficacy of topical collagen as well as answering the myth-busting questions you all submitted into our facebook community but first a word from today's beauty partner Community, what if I were to tell you that you could get incredible results for all client skin concerns in just three steps and 28 days? Well, if you, like many, are using this time to evaluate your business and are looking for a skincare range that offers better results, better client compliance, and an uncompromising approach to quality and ethics, then you should contact Dermalist Accounts team today to receive a complimentary three-step trial kit just by phoning or texting 0411-807-665, emailing sales at dermalist.com or private message them on their Instagram at Dermalist. Science conscious beauty. Trust me, you won't look back. Head to www.dermalist.com to find out more. Thank you so much to the team at Dermalist for making this episode possible. 
And now back to Fiona. And it is difficult because as you said, the the marketing, the type of collagen, the extraction process, the, the filling up of the product, all this differs in the price. So very, very difficult for us to know when we're stocking a brand, but even more difficult for a consumer to know what's the difference between a collagen you find in a supermarket that says collagen and our collagen. You know, how how is there such a different price with regards to a, a really, really affordable collagen or something that we're trying to professionally prescribe? And I mean, you could, I could talk on this for hours because it, it also comes down, it's the same with professional skincare mm. as well. It's exactly the same thing. Um, and interestingly, it was just in the paper yesterday how Coles and Woolworths are introducing collagen products and they're becoming some of their top selling products. Wow. Yeah, collagen for the skin, coffee creamers and collagen, um, they're, they're really growing in popularity so it's definitely a product that the general consumer is wanting to take and people are really noticing a difference in their skin and I guess it comes down to some people are really pedantic about ingredients and about quality and wanting to know what they're putting into their bodies and where those ingredients are coming from and other people maybe not so they just want something that is going to work and they don't really care about the chemicals and so that that that's one one thing but when it comes down to price, it's hard because you could have, say, a really cheap collagen, you could put it in a fancy packaging and charge a lot of money and really the consumer would be none the wiser because you've given a nice little fancy marketing term to it as well. And unfortunately, that does happen. Um, whether that's in a supermarket product or in a professional product, just because it's a professional product doesn't necessarily mean it's a higher quality product. And I, I'm being quite honest because I've worked in manufacturing and I've seen what goes into products and in, ingredients. So um, you can't always tell by the price because it depends what's in that product, the ingredients, it depends on the packaging. Um, but quite often, as I said, you could have an expensive product. Um, as I said, our marine collagen is the most expensive in the world, but we just haven't put a massive markup on because we wanted or had to compete with the other cheaper collagens that, mm -hmm. are, that are out there. We didn't want to price it so high that people weren't going to purchase it. Um, so ours is at a, a competitive price point of $69 but then you can still buy it for a you know cheaper collagen and particularly the bovine in the supermarket for for $30 mm. um, but marine collagen most marine collagens will come in around about the same price point um, it really you know with, with bovine you can go a lot lot lower because it's a lot cheaper it's basically a, a byproduct of the the manufacturing process and it's a lot more available so um, that's why the bovine collagen tends to be cheaper. But if you're getting a bovine collagen um, with a high price point, then I would say, well, look at the ingredients. Is it, um, is it pasteurized? Is it grass-fed? If it's not, then why has it got the high price point? Mm. Are there other ingredients in there um, that they've added that may, may be contributing to a higher price point? Or are there cheaper ingredients they've added to get more for their money, but still, you know, make you think, you know, you're getting more. 
So there's a lot that you've got to look at. Is the packaging expensive? You know, is there five dollars? You know, some some packaging can be five dollars, which are adding on to the cost price or the manufacturing price. So all of that really does need to be taken into consideration. And really it comes down to what is in that product and where was that product sourced from? You know, is it farmed? Is it grass-fed? Is it wild-caught? They would be the things that I'd be looking at to give me an indication of where the price point would be at. Yes, because though we know marketing and packaging and branding and influencer marketing, particularly these days, does influence our clients, it also influences us and the brands that we stock. So I think there's some great questions to pose to potential brand partners that you could be entering into your space, but also have the that the answers to those questions, because I'm sure there's a lot of clients who are very savvy these days coming into our space, asking these questions, particularly around you know, I'm vegan, can I have this this type of collagen? And if you don't know that answer, well, then it's a little bit tricky. Um, I want to know, are there any specific foods that rather than supplementation, we can just be increasing in our eating habits that are higher in collagen? Yeah. So when it comes to food, I think we're thinking about food. Remember that Food is going to give us the nutrients for healthy collagen production, but it's not working the same way as, say, collagen peptides that are stimulating the fibroblast cell. Sure. So my view is if we can have the collagen peptides with the healthy food, that's when you're really going to be getting incredible results because we're, we're sort of knocking on the door to say, hey, fibroblast, come on we're making more collagen, but we're also making sure that the cells have got the right nutrients for healthy collagen production. So having the food isn't going to stimulate collagen production, but it's going to help with healthy collagen production. So just to, to clarify that. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, very little food actually contains collagen. Um, so we need to get a variety of different nutrients to produce collagen in the body. And also collagen from food isn't absorbed the same as collagen peptides. So it works differently in the body. But when we're looking at foods to eat for healthy collagen production, we're really looking at the foods that are going to be supporting amino acids so we need amino acids which are like a protein if you like for healthy collagen and so we're looking at all our protein type foods so that would be things such as chicken fish um, lean meats if you eat meat um, you'd also be looking at legumes so if somebody is vegetarian then they'd be looking at legumes such as lentils and chickpeas, because you're going to be getting your amino acids in there. Um, so that's really important. So some amino acids are what we call essential, which means we don't, uh, we have to get them from the diet. So if you're not getting enough protein in the diet, then you're not going to be getting enough of these essential amino acids. So getting a variety of these different foods is important from good quality protein sources. Um, so just think of nuts, seeds, legumes, fish, um, eggs, lean meats. So you're going to get your amino acids. But then we need all the other nutrients for um, all of the enzyme reactions and the protein translation, transcription to occur. So we need nutrients such as magnesium, 
Um, we need zinc. This is all required for healthy collagen production. And you're going to get that in things such as um, seeds. You know, pumpkin seeds are a great source of zinc. Um, you're going to get magnesium from all of your fruits and your vegetables and whole grains. And whole grains can have zinc in them as well. And this is why I always say it's important that we don't tell our clients to cut out specific food groups unless you are a nutritionist and unless you know where they're going to get those nutrients from because we need them for healthy skin. So we also need vitamin C, which is really important for collagen production. And vitamin C is a what we call a cofactor in the hydroxylation process. So we can't manufacture healthy collagen without vitamin C. And unfortunately, you know, if we're not getting enough vitamin C in the diet, then that will ultimately long-term affect collagen production. And it's the skin that it tends to show in first. So vitamin C, we can very easily get in the diet. It's very easy to get our daily RDI of vitamin C. You're going to get that from fruits and vegetables, particularly things such as berries and citrus, mm. cauliflower, Brussels sprouts. It's in an abundance of fruits and vegetables. So as long as we're eating those healthy foods, we're going to be getting the vitamin C. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, we also need iron and iron um, is also an essential cofactor for this hydroxylation process which is why um, if we're low in iron we can sometimes get sort of flabby skin people are, have got softer flabbier skin and i'm one of them because <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm always prone to low iron um, so when we're looking at making sure we're getting enough iron, then um, for some people it will be red meat, but we need to make sure we're not having too much red meat because mm. that can be detrimental as well. But things like spinach and legumes can also be a good source of, of iron, um, beetroot, even poultry. So making sure that we are getting iron in the diet is important. And um, I mentioned earlier, you know, things like zinc and magnesium are also really important. And um, copper as well. We do need copper for collagen production too. So not too much copper. Most of us tend to be getting enough copper in the diet. And if you're eating chocolate, you're probably getting your copper. Um, <laughs> and legumes and things like that, we're getting the copper. So really, it's a, it's a healthy diet. You know, we're getting fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains, um, proteins, which you can get from nuts and seeds and eggs and fish. And lean meats, you're going to be getting those nutrients that are important for collagen production. So having that with collagen peptides, in my opinion, that's when you're really going to be getting um, that, that really good quality collagen produced. Yeah, perfect. Now, with regards to the supplementation, is there such thing as too much collagen. Too much. Yeah. Cause obviously you mentioned before keloid scarring is obviously that overproduction of collagen, but with regards to taking it internally, can you pretty much overdose on internal collagen? Yeah. Good question. The body is pretty smart um, and the body is pretty clever. It will take what it needs. Um, so it's not a case of if you take too much collagen, you're going to start to get keloid scarring or something like that. Sure. That's not how the body works. 
Um, it will use those amino acids up elsewhere where it needs them. And if not, you know, we, we get rid of them. So it, it, the, the body's pretty amazing. Um, but you can definitely take too much in the fact that if you take too much and your body doesn't need it, then, then in a way you're, you're wasting it. Mm. Um, and as a guide, most collagen manufacturers will recommend between about four grams to 15 grams of collagen per day. And that may vary on the collagen that you're actually taking. It may vary on some people may need more. So if you're older and you're sort of wanting to have a bit more of a, an impact and a stimulation, you may double the dose to start with. Or if you are going through a period of intense wound healing, you may need to double the dose to start with. Um, so it may vary in each individual, but if somebody is young, they may need a lower dose of collagen. Any more than that, really, you're, you're wasting it. And so um, any more than sort of 15 grams a day, unless you've got a significant reason to do that, such as, you know, you're really focusing on wound healing after sort of a, a trauma, then there's no need to take any more. So it's not a case of let's just, you know, take triple the dose and, and go for it i'd say anything between about four grams to 15 grams depending on the manufacturer and what they're recommending yeah sure okay that's really interesting um i want to flick over to external collagen mm. because this is a big question in our facebook community um topical collagen is it effective in our skincare that we're prescribing and if so, is there any hard evidence? There's no hard evidence that I'm really aware of. Um, when it comes to topical collagen, there's going to be an improvement in the skin. And what I mean by an improvement, you're going to see increased hydration for sure. Right. So if you use something like a, um, a collagen mask, you remember those masks? Mm. Um, some people may still use them you're definitely going to see increased hydration and the skin's going to feel improved when we're looking at the collagen molecule the structure of collagen the molecule is actually too large to penetrate the skin um, and we know it's too large to um, absorb as well we have to break it down internally so it's not going to penetrate the skin and stimulate collagen production saying that though if you're using um, collagen peptides and that collagen has been hydrolyzed into very small peptides, we know that um, peptides in skincare may have an effect on stimulating the fibroblast cell. So there may be a benefit there. However, it's, it's really hard to monitor because it depends on the thickness of the skin, how that ingredient is penetrating, whether it actually even gets right down to the fibroblast cell. So you are going to get better results and the studies are there very clearly on the topical, sorry, on the internal ingestion of collagen. So if you're wanting to stimulate the fibroblast cell and increase collagen, the internal collagen um, is going to be the most effective. There's definitely no harm in topical application of collagen and depending on how much it's hydrolyzed and if it's into peptide form, there may be some benefit, but it really does depend on the individual and whether that's actually getting down to the, the fibroblast cell. But definitely no, no harm in using um, topical application. You'll definitely get a 
an increase in um, hydration for sure. Mm. And a lot of our clients come in with the concern of collagen depletion or um, the effects of aging or early onset aging is generally because they're dehydrated anyway. So if we plump up and hydrate the skin, um, though while it may or may not be able to flick on that fibroblast stimulation, it's still going to have the appearance of a more plump skin due to the hydration. Absolutely. And then if we then combine that with topical treatments and I always believe you know if we use topical skincare um, clinical professional treatments with good nutrition internally that's when the magic happens and you really get incredible results on the skin and there's some amazing treatments out there now to help with stimulating collagen um, in the skin so when we combine those two we can get some really good results it just depends on really that individual client and what treatment would be the most suitable for them and is the skin in a suitable condition to be able to go through say the wound healing process and to take it through that process is it getting enough nutrition so nutrition and topical in my opinion are so closely intertwined to be able to get the right results because i've seen um really devastating results on with topical treatments where um maybe the therapist has gone too hard because a few years ago it used to all be about creating trauma on the skin to create wound healing Mm -hmm. Um, but if you don't have the support there in the skin for that you're going to create more damage um, because of the inflammation etc So it is important that we really do analyze the skin correctly, do a really thorough, proper consultation to know if that person is going to be suitable for more of an intense treatment. Yeah, absolutely. So three things to keep front of mind when prescribing to your clients would be topical, um, internal products, and then treatment. So it's like that three-pronged kind of multi-approach. Absolutely. And that's when you can get the best results because, um, you know, I I think we're really moving away from that era of go harder and Mm. deeper and traumatize the skin because whenever there's inflammation, um, you can have knock-on side effects, as we know, such as hyperpigmentation. Um, We can also see more risk in a way of premature aging which a lot of people won't want to hear but if we're if we're breaking down collagen to make way for new collagen and we're doing that at a rate where the skin isn't able to keep up with that we could be creating more trauma and I've even seen skins that have um, resulted in you know fibromas and things like that where people have been way too aggressive in the skin and they've got this thickening and lumping in the skin um, from things like collagen induction therapy where it's been too hard and too traumatic for the skin. Mm, yeah interesting now i've got a bit of a quick fire myth busting Mm. section for you because we had such an overwhelming response Mm. in fact over 50 different um questions fired when i put this to our facebook community so i'm going to fire them at you and just give us your take on them yeah Uh, can taking collagen supplements disrupt the cell or the skin production Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure what this question meant, to be honest. So taking collagen supplements, if you're taking the collagen peptides, as we've said, it's going to mimic the fibroblast-like growth factor to stimulate collagen production. 
And so you're going to see an increase in collagen production. So you're going to see an improvement in skin hydration, an improvement in skin elasticity, and an improvement in collagen production. And usually that takes a good six to eight weeks to see that after supplementation. But it's not going to damage the skin in any way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Saying that, if somebody had a collagen production um, If they had something like keloid scarring or scleroderma, as we mentioned earlier, then I wouldn't be giving them collagen supplementation. There's been no no studies there. We just don't know what would happen. But if they're having an overproduction of collagen anyway, why would we be giving them something to try and produce more would be my, my thoughts to that. Yeah, interesting. Okay, that's one to definitely note. Um, can collagen supplements increase anxiety? That was a great question, actually, and I I thought it was a good one to include. So when we're looking at collagen supplements or the collagen peptides, they contain um, 19 different amino acids and eight out of those amino acids are what we call essential. So it contains eight out of the nine essential amino acids, I should clarify. Now, collagen supplements will not give you anxiety. So that's important to understand. However, if you are somebody that suffers from anxiety and you have a tendency towards anxiety, then there is a possibility that taking collagen could exacerbate that. And the reason for that being is collagen supplements or collagen peptides whilst it's got 19 different amino acids in there, it is very low on the amino acid that we call tryptophan. So there's not much tryptophan, it's negligible. So tryptophan is an amino acid that we need to help us to produce niacin, which is B3 as we know it, um, but also serotonin. And we need serotonin to keep us happy and relaxed and calm. So if you are somebody that is naturally low in serotonin, then you need to make sure if you're taking a collagen supplement that you're getting enough tryptophan because um, you need to make sure you're getting that in your diet because otherwise it could exacerbate the tryptophan deficiency. So it's not going to make you deficient in tryptophan. You just need to make sure it just doesn't have it really in there. So you need to make sure you're getting that in your diet. So tryptophan foods would be things like bananas, turkey, chicken, um, oats, legumes, those sorts of foods that are also very good for collagen production. Um, Just make sure you're getting enough of that. Also, make sure you're getting enough carbohydrates in your diet because we need carbohydrates to um, transport tryptophan. And that's why, you know, when sometimes people are on really high-protein, low-carb diets, they get a bit sort of what I call neurotic and a bit on edge. And I sort of say, you know, go and eat some carbs and you'll be a lot happier. (laughs) So I'm not talking about sort of the white refined carbohydrates. I'm talking about the whole grains and the the fruits and the vegetables and the healthy carbs. But you need to make sure you're having those and the tryptophan foods if you're taking collagen and you're prone to anxiety. It's a bit like if you're prone to anxiety and you're drinking a lot of coffee, it's going to um, potentially sort of highlight everything. Yeah, sure. How interesting. Okay, so it's not going to cause the anxiety, but it can definitely influence the situation. Yes. 
Okay. And, and then to sort of counteract that, just make sure you're having enough tryptophan from other sources for sure. Yes, lots of bananas. Yeah. So another question for you, if someone is diabetic or insulin resistant, will taking collagen increase glycation? Mm, that was a really good one. And um, it, it's a, I can see the thinking in that because we know that um, with glycation, diabetics are more prone to a loss of collagen and increased glycation because of increased high blood sugar. So if you're taking more protein, then would that increase glycation? I guess is where the, the thinking coming from. It, it's an interesting one, but no, it won't increase glycation. If anything, it's going to help it because there's been some very interesting clinical studies done on taking collagen peptides and for diabetics. And what's interesting is that collagen peptides have been shown to actually help to stabilize blood sugar and improve blood sugar levels more so than even some protein so we need protein in the diet and that will help to stabilize blood sugar so collagen peptides and i'm presuming it's because they're they're so small and more rapidly absorbed have been shown to have an even better result on stabilizing blood sugar So in effect, we're in a way helping to stabilize or lower the blood sugar, plus we're helping to increase collagen production, um, which can be more diminished in a diabetic skin, um, yeah, diabetic client. So um, it's going to be beneficial. So my advice for diabetic clients is that the collagen peptides have really been shown to be very beneficial. So... um, definitely one that I would be recommending for for diabetic clients as well so it's going to help the skin but it's also going to help blood sugar so even if you're not diabetic and you're somebody that gets those fluctuations in blood sugar um, and I really noticed this as well when I was taking um, the collagen when I first started taking it I felt that I didn't get that mid-morning sort of blood sugar drop, I felt a lot more satiated and I I felt fuller for longer and I felt my energy levels more sustained. And that's because you're increasing the protein, if you like. But just an important reminder, it's not a complete protein. You still need to be getting your other amino acids and particularly that, that tryptophan. So it's something I would definitely recommend for diabetics and not to be scared of it. Ah, brilliant. Okay. Good one. Um, Internal collagen, and clients who are currently having or have cancer um, or patients who are in remission, yes or no? Good question. Um, General rule of thumb is when in any doubt, always get medical advice and get the okay from your GP. My advice with any supplementation, if someone is has got cancer or undergoing any cancer therapy is not to take anything um, unless they have had the okay from the GP. And that's because some supplements can actually interfere with the cancer medication and interfere with the efficacy of the treatment. Even things like antioxidants can, um, whilst we know they're good for us, they can actually inhibit the effectiveness of the chemotherapy. So my advice in that instance would be, no, I wouldn't recommend to take the collagen. If somebody has had cancer and um, it's, got the all clear and they're past their five years then I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to take it because um, collagen peptides are a food um, 
There should be no reason why they can't take it, but always get the okay from the doctor. Something I wouldn't be recommending though um, is things such as isolated high dose amino acids. So things like glutamine, which are a very popular supplement, particularly for gut health. Um, we know glutamine can be a fuel source for cancer. And so that's something that I actually don't recommend getting glutamine supplements for most people. And you can get glutamine via the diet anyway, which wouldn't be in such a high dose. Things like branch chain amino acids, you know, those workout supplements. Again, mm. um, I wouldn't be taking anything like that um, unless you've got the okay from the doctor because they are sort of what we call anabolic. So um, always get your GP's recommendation in, in that instance. Okay, good to know. And one last question, which I haven't briefed you on, but talking about all of this collagen, I need to selfishly ask for myself. Um, collagen, yes, yeah. and pregnancy, now that it's out there and everybody knows, I have a little baby bump inside me. Um, yes or no? So again, with all supplements during pregnancy, um, really as a safety for prescribing it, we always say get the okay from the GP. And that's more because, again, there's nothing in collagen that would be detrimental during pregnancy. Um, if anything, it could be beneficial, but it's not tested during pregnancy. Right. And I think the main concern as well would be, you know, there's some concerns with marine collagen um, and the, the purity of it. And would that have a, an impact, um, you know, because you're not allowed seafood and things when you're pregnant, certain shellfish and things, and there may be a contamination issue. I know with the, I know with the Vitasol collagen, you know, it literally is, is the purest one available, but we always say get the GP's permission because the, the main concern during pregnancy is if you haven't taken a supplement before and then you start taking it during pregnancy and you were to have, God forbid, an allergic reaction or some kind of adverse response, um, we just want to avoid that. We don't want to then have to give you, I don't know, whether it be steroids or antibiotics or any other medication. You know, we want to avoid all that. So most often, especially when it comes to sort of something like collagen, it should be safe, but always there on the side of caution. And if you've never taken it before, um, we don't know what your response is going to be. Very unlikely that you would have an allergy to it, but just in case, um, I would say not during pregnancy. And of course, the thing with say marine collagen, because it is derived from seafood, then obviously you wouldn't give that to somebody with a seafood allergy. So you would always need to check allergies um, with people prior to giving them anything like that as well. Yeah, that's a good one because that's sometimes things that clients don't pop on their consultation card and then, you know, you, you go to ask them, you know, just confirming before we start the treatment, are you allergic to? And they say, oh, seafood, but you don't really need to know that. And you think, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad she told me because yeah. if I had used X product or if I had recommended X internal product, um, that's always something to keep in the back of our mind. Absolutely. Any allergy, you know, whether it's a topical or internal allergy, we, we always want to know about because so many things are derived from things and have got, you know, even um, alcohol can have um, seafood derivatives in it, which is, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you, it, you know, these things can be everywhere. So we, we do need to be careful. So not that we're giving alcohol, well, some people might be giving alcohol to their clients. Um, <laughs> But we, we do always need to check for allergies. And if you're recommending any internal supplements, 
then um, that's something to be aware of. But I think with the collagen supplementation, this is an area that is just growing and growing in popularity. And I think it's because people are really seeing quite dramatic improvements in their skin. I know since I've been taking marine collagen, I've really noticed a difference in skin you know, and I'm, I'm nearly 50, um, skin elasticity, skin hydration, and even cellulite. I've really noticed a, a wow. difference in that. Um, and I'm a massive fan, you know, hair and nails as well. And I think it's becoming more mainstream now that, that clients understand the word collagen and they're, they're seeing it a lot in social media. So it's definitely something for people to think about having in clinic. You know, there are some really valid clinical studies on collagen peptides. And so, you know, we know regular collagen, native collagen, doesn't stimulate the fibroblast that has to be broken down and absorbed just like any other food. But the collagen peptides do have an effect on the fibroblast cell. And so it's definitely something that complements those collagen induction therapies and injectable treatments. I mean, if you're having filler, for instance, going home with your collagen, um, to me is a no brainer. Those two work beautifully together. So I think it is important for therapists to be educated, even if it's not something that they're going to be stocking. Like you said, it's important to know what is out there and what the different types of collagen are and, and how it all works in, in the body. Um, and remember that the collagen supplements are going to affect not only the skin, but we're also affecting collagen all over. You know, we've got collagen in the blood vessels and in the bones and in the joints. And so um, we want to sort of keep on that collagen as much as we possibly can. And, um, you know, the earlier you start on it and making sure, of course, that you've got a good, healthy diet, the, the better it's going to be. And um, advising the client about, you know, the basic dietary things mm. such as, you know, processed food and alcohol and how detrimental that can be to the skin, I think is a really important place to start. Beautiful. Fiona, thank you so much for coming into the podcast with me today. Always a pleasure speaking with you and even more so learning from you. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Did we cover all the questions? I think we did, didn't we? Yes. We got there in the end. We, we got there in the end. <laughs> Wow, what an episode. Lots of knowledge and information to take away from Fiona and what we now know about collagen. Like everything you're bringing into your business or recommending to your clients, it always pays off to do your research from an independent party, unbiased about ingredients or agenda. As for collagen, well, you now know that the fibroblast-like cell can be stimulated internally via supplementation through the addition of collagen peptides, and externally, we are unsure how much collagen can get into the skin absorbed topically. However, we know that by hydrating the skin, we can certainly plump up and protect the skin's collagen fibers through things like antioxidants and hydration, and of course, professional treatments are the perfect cherry on the cake to have a well-rounded client result. Fiona and I would love to see how you're enjoying today's conversation. So whether you're listening along to the podcast or tuning in across the recording on Facebook or YouTube, please share the love on your socials and stories. It really does help us. If you have a topic that you would love us to explore for you or for somebody who you would like to hear from, perhaps, then please reach out to me on socials at Tamara Shaw Reid and let me know and I'll do my absolute best to host the conversation for you. Until next time, stay connected.